We're looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 to 9. Why don't we read these verses first? Let me just go ahead and warn you. For the next three weeks, we're going to talk about money. As you know, we're going through 2 Corinthians, so this is not like something I thought of doing. But we're going to talk about money for the next three weeks. But you may be surprised what the Apostle Paul will say about money. It's more an issue of generosity that he's talking about. So let's look at verse 1 through 9. Moreover, brethren, we made known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And not only as we hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So we urged Titus that, that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, See that you abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but by I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. For we know the grace of our Lord Jesus, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you might through his poverty, that you through his poverty might become rich. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. We're going to look, first of all, the example of the Macedonians. Paul starts off, he's going to talk about this whole issue of generosity with them. And he's going to talk to them about another group of people. Now, there's a little bit of difference between uh, this group of people that he's talking about and the Corinthians, and we'll get into it. So, first of all, he talks about God's grace to the Macedonians. Paul wants to tell the Corinthians about how grace was being shown to the Macedonians. So, he wants to tell them about how grace was being shown to the Macedonians. Now, there in Corinth, Macedonia would be just a little north of them. And it's a different type of church, different group of people, uh, different circumstances that they're facing. And so he wants to use this group of people and their circumstance to bring an illustration, bring an illustration to them about, about the issue of generosity. So he's going to talk about their condition in verse 2. And here's what he says. The Macedonians were facing extreme difficulties such as affliction and poverty. Now, affliction, can I be honest with you, is just another word for persecution. Because of their faith, they were facing hardship. They were facing difficulty. You know, uh, Vietnam right now, Christians in Vietnam, if you, if you were to openly say that you were a Christian in the country of Vietnam. Here's what will happen. They will no longer, the government will no longer give you your allotment of malaria medicine and will no longer give you a mosquito, mosquito netting and all the other benefits that come with being, quote, a citizen of Vietnam. All health benefits and everything from the Christians there simply because they say they're a Christian. That's affliction. That's affliction. And so when you think about the Macedonians, they were in a similar circumstance. Because of their faith, they were facing 
affliction which ultimately would result in poverty, which would ultimately result in them not having, you know, you might lose your job or something. Stories come out of East Germany when it was under communism of Lutheran pastors and their children not being allowed to go to university. University was free, but they would be passed over to go to university or being passed over for key jobs simply because they came from a Christian family. So that the result was is they would live in poverty. So this is the condition of the Macedonians. Mass were facing extreme difficulties. Now, here's what Paul does. He says, Paul points out that in spite of their condition, they had joy. Isn't that, can we, I can't even comprehend that, can you? That in spite of what they're going through, the persecution, the poverty, times are tough, they had joy. That's foreign to you and I as Americans, isn't it? But you want to know something? You talk to our young people who've gone to the Dominican. Sue's gone to the Dominican. Rod's gone to the Dominican. You talk to our young people who've gone to the Dominican. And you talk about them seeing some of those Haitians who are living literally in poverty and slums with sewage in the streets. They don't have anything. But the joy. And that's exactly what's happening here. Paul points out that in spite of their condition, the Macedonians had joy. They had a joy in their life. You know, I really believe this. You know, I think that's what's missing in our life. We have so much stuff that we're looking forward to to bring us joy. But does it? No, it doesn't, does it? But only true joy is found in who? Jesus and Christ. Now, why would the fact that the Macedonians had joy in the midst of affliction seem strange to us today? Why do you think it's strange to us today to, that they would have that? That's in your book there. We're materialistic. Did you hear what Mona said? We're materialistic. And believe me, we are. What else? Why do you think it seems strange to us? Or did that sum it up? Ramona's answer, sum it up. Yeah, if you have an affliction, it's hard to have joy. So it seems strange that because of affliction, they would be joyful about it. Okay, wow. Did you hear what Bruce said? The less you have, the more faith you'll put in God. You know, Bruce, we're going to look at uh, Proverbs after this lesson. And there is a proverb. It's actually, I think it's the words of Agur or Lemuel. And this is what the writer says. God, I'll give you the George Cannon paraphrase. Okay? God, give me no more, no less than what I need. Because if you give me more than what I'll need, I'll forget you. If you give me less than what I need, I may steal and dishonor your name. See the perspective there? And I think that's what Bruce is saying there. That, you know, when you have less, you have a greater faith in God. And I, and I think that's true. I think that's true. Now, the Macedonians... Now, Here's the interesting thing. Paul says this, the Macedonians also abounded in, the, in riches because of their liberality. Now, the riches he's talking about here is not bank account riches. It's not good old Ulysses S. Grant and, you know, and all those other guys that are on our bills. It's not that at all. So, 
But but they abounded in riches. I think spiritual riches is what Paul's ultimately talking about because of their liberality. So here's an interesting thing. Even in spite of their conditions of what they were going through and everything, they were pretty liberal in their giving. Isn't that amazing? They were pretty giving in spite of their what they were going through. Now, what excuses do we have for not giving? This is in your book there. What excuses do we have for not giving? Okay, Tom says can't afford. How many of you have, would agree that that was that's we sometimes say that? Anybody else? What's another excuse? Or did that one kind of wrap it up? Okay. Uh, oh, do you hear what Sue said? Even if you have it now, you might think, well, you know, I need to, I need to save this because I might need this later. How many of you have thought about that, like uh, Sue said? Anybody else? What? What other excuses might we give? Lori? Okay, somebody else will meet that need. God will raise up somebody else. I can't do it right now. God will raise up somebody else. How many of you have kind of, you know, have heard that type of thinking before? Anybody else? Well, okay, here's this one. How, that's good, Bruce. How do I know that they, how do I know that their need is greater than my need? That, okay. Anybody else? We've kind of hit them all, aren't we? Now, how does this compare with the Macedonians, though? When you think about these excuses that we give, how does that compare with the Macedonians? Yeah, it's the opposite. Because why? They didn't have much and they were giving beyond. Now, think about how many of you are going through persecution right now? Persecution that's resulting in you being poor. I better put my hand down, huh? Do you see the point? We don't compare to... Actually, I think we have a lot more in comparison with the Corinthians than anything. And he's going to talk about that here. So, Paul then now gives a testimony of their giving. So, in verse 3, he talks about this. Paul states that they freely gave beyond their ability and their resources. They freely gave. That is, they gave of their money freely beyond their ability to give and their resources to give. They gave freely beyond that. In fact, Paul tells us in verse 4 that they were determined. See, because look at verse 4 for a minute. Here's what he says. Imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of ministering to the saints. So what's Paul saying here? That the Macedonians, here, let me give you the next one, urged Paul to take their gift. So I can almost see the Apostle Paul, he sees their situation that they're in, he sees their poverty, he sees the persecution that they're going in, he sees that they don't have much, and they come up to the Apostle Paul and they say, let me see your hand, Bruce. Hey, Paul, we want you to take this gift. And Paul's going, no, no, you take it back. I don't need it. You guys need it more than, than, than I do, or, or the ministry does. You take it back. You know, and they say, no, 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 Paul. You, you see what I'm saying? So, what's happening there is that the Macedonians were, like, determined, urging him, you take our money for the gospel, for the ministry, for the needs. Ultimately, what they're talking about here is that the Jerusalem church was going through starvation at that time. And the offering was being taken up 
to go back. And this is in the book of Acts. The offering was being taken up to be taken back to Jerusalem for the saints there in Jerusalem because of the persecution that they were going through. And here's a group of people that are going through persecution on their own and they're saying, here, take it to those folks. They need it more than we do. That was their attitude. And so they they were determined for him to take the gift. Why? They wanted to be a part of the ministry. See, notice the mindset here. Notice the attitude. The attitude on their part was, is we want to be a part of what God's doing. We want to be a part of the ministry. And here's what we can do. We can't go and be there, so we will give you the funds to do it. And that's what they did, even in spite of what they were going through. So now, when you look at verse 5, Paul talks about their priorities. Look at verse 5. Here's what he says. And not only as we hoped for, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So notice, here's what he's saying. The Macedonians were giving to God first. They were giving to God first. Listen, when you give, you need to understand, we need to change our mindset and our giving. When you give, let me grab an offering plate here. And the offering plate comes by. We need to quit thinking, oh, I'm doing my duty. Quit thinking of it as a duty. Or, George has tugged on my heartstrings enough this week. Quit thinking, first of all, I don't do that. You know that. So, when it comes by, you need to quit thinking of it in terms of that and start thinking of it in terms of an act of worship. You're giving to God. You're giving to God. So when I, when I put my money in there or you put your money in there, I'm giving it to God and knowing that and hopes that he'll use it for his ministry. I'm responsible to give it to God. And that's what they did. They gave it to God. And they gave out of their poverty, out of their whatever, they were giving to God first. So they had that mindset. They had that mindset. Listen, let me explain it to you this way, because sometimes we can develop, and, and, we, and you hear it on the radio all the time, you know, that uh, certain ministries on the radio will have, they'll call their supporters different things, you know, club something or another, and, and, and you can say, well, you know, I'm a supporter of, and you name the ministry. Wrong attitude. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. Do it. But change your attitude about why you do it. You're not doing it because you want to be a supporter of some dude or some ministry. You're doing it because you're giving to God. Do you understand? That's what the Macedonians, their attitude wasn't, oh, we're doing this because we're big fans of you, Paul. You started our church and so we have an affinity with you. Whatever you want, buddy, we'll write the check. No matter how much we're hurting, we're supporting you, Paul. We'll do it. No, no. Paul said they were giving to the Lord first. And the Lord told them to give to this issue in Jerusalem. So, the Macedonians were giving to God first. Now, Paul now shifts in verses 6 and 7 away from the Macedonians back to the group of people that he's writing to. Who are they? Yeah, the Corinthians. And... Here's what he says in verse 6. He tells them, 
Paul urged Titus to give the Corinthians an opportunity to experience the same grace. So remember Titus, we talked about him before, he was kind of Paul's emissary, he was kind of Paul's representative to the Corinthians, he would go, and so he urged Titus to give the Corinthians, who were, can I be honest with you, a far more wealthier, in a far better situation, not facing the persecution, a lot more money, a lot more going on for them than the Macedonians, and he's saying, you know, we want to give the Corinthians, who are in a better situation, the same opportunity to experience the grace of God. To experience the grace of God. And so then notice what verse 7 says. But you, as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see also that you abound in this grace also. So then here's what he says. The Corinthians are urged to abound in the grace of giving as they abounded in the other graces. I stop for a moment because I don't know, when I read this, this kind of like, boom, hit me right in the head. Boy, I hurt my nose. Um, you know, it just was, boom, right there, hit me right in the face when I was studying this. Notice how he describes giving. How does he describe it? As a grace. How many of you think of giving as a grace? Be honest. All right, all right. He said a duty or an obligation. How many of you think of giving as a duty or obligation? I'm raising my hand too. All of us do, right? Notice how the Apostle Paul describes it. He describes it as a what? Grace. Now, let me explain it further. Let's look at verse 7 because he's going to talk about some other graces there. You abound in everything, in faith, speech, knowledge, all diligence, and in your love for us. These are graces that he's describing here. See to it that you abound in this grace, meaning giving, also. Now, why would he describe... I think we can better understand the issue of faith, love, knowledge, all of those things as being a grace. Why, Why can we see that as a grace? Who's the one who gives us our faith? The Bible says, God gives you your faith. Who's the one who gives you knowledge? Who's the one who gives you love to be able to love others? God. So we all recognize those as grace. That is, those were given to us by God. So what he's saying now is that giving is a grace that's given to us by God. The ability to give is a grace given to us by God. Now, isn't that an interesting concept? Because how we see it, and I'll be honest with you, this is how I often see it, is I'm supposed to do this. So let me write the check out. And sometimes when times are tough, we resent it, don't we? Like, you know what? Things are really hard right now. The furnace just went out. It's zero degrees outside. God, are you sure? Alright, do you hear what he said? We have a tendency to forget that God is the provider of what he's given us. In fact, Paul's going to address that a little bit more here. That's good, Ken. That's good. So, what he's telling them is that they are to abound in this grace of giving as they abound in other graces. Just like they're going to abound and grow in knowledge, just like they're going to abound and grow in 
love, and just like you're going to abound and grow in your faith, he wants you to abound and grow in giving. So let me just stop for a moment. When we talk about giving in this passage, I am not just talking about tithing. Everybody understand? Because what we're talking about here, let's put it in a historical context, and I hope you do understand what Paul's saying here. He's talking about a special offering that was being taken, a, a, quote, a love offering that was being taken for the church at Jerusalem. So what we're talking about here is the grace of giving, period. Not just for a morning worship service offering. But it could also mean, I see that Ken has a need. I have the ability to help Ken in his need. Or I may need a sacrifice to help Ken because I love Ken. I abound in the grace of giving to help him out. See, giving, we've got to get away from the thinking of giving is just the offering. Giving has to go beyond just the offering to what? A holistic church view of helping each other out. Now, I can say this. I'll be proud about it. I can say as the pastor of this church, I have been witnessing that as you folks give to each other. I have seen that. And we need to continue to do that because that's the type of thing. So in a lot of ways, some of you are like the Macedonians as you have been there for each other. Yes, you raised your hand. Yes. Yeah, in fact, you know what? It's the plate that makes it the obligation, isn't it? Everybody, everybody agree? It's the plate that makes it the obligation. But, let's say, let's take it for a minute. Sue sees that Louise has a need. Now, Sue could adopt the attitude, well, you know, I give faithfully every Sunday morning, Lord. I'm giving. Is she really? No. But if Sue looks and sees that Louise has a need... And she says, you know, Lord, I can help Louise out. And so, whether she goes to Louise on her own and says, Louise, here, take this. Or whether she slips it in an envelope in cash so that Louise doesn't know who it is. And Louise opens her door one day and sees an envelope in the door with all this cash, just what she needed. Some of you, I know some of you do that too, and that's fine, do it. However you do it, do it. Give. Then Sue, whether she specifically talked to Louise or is in the background seeing Louise with a need, who do you think, well, how do you think Sue's going to feel when the need is met and she sees the benefit of it in Louise's life? She's going to think, oh, I wish I had kept that money for myself. How's she going to feel? Joy. See, this is what the apostle is talking about. It's a grace. A grace. Hey, let me just so I can illustrate it a little bit better, because it's on the same level of grace as giving love. Who gets the benefit when you express love? Not just the person who receives it, but who? Not just God, but who? You. Ken said it, you. You get the joy of seeing someone grow in the nurture and, and the feeling of under that love. Do you understand what I'm saying? You get the same feeling. 
See, giving is on that same equation that you're there giving. Let me just stop. When we talk about giving, we're not just talking about money, are we? Because sometimes it may mean your time. Sometimes it may mean your talent. Hey, I've seen it. Let me give you an illustration. This came out of one of our grace groups. Somebody is having a car problem. They don't have the funds to take care of it. They need to replace a gasket on the head, a head gasket. In the room is a mechanic. And so they get to talking and he says, you buy the part, I'll be over. Replace the gasket for free except for the cost of the part. Isn't that giving? What did he give? His talent, his experience, his expertise. Did he save that family a whole lot of money? Hey, I just replaced the heads on my van a year ago. Let me tell you, that was a lot of money. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's a lot. Some of you have had to do that. You know what that is. And just to, to, to pay for the gasket, that is the gasket's the cheapest part, isn't it? See, that's what I'm talking about. That's what he's talking about here. And he wants the Corinthians to experience the same joy. But see, they were stingy. They were just focused on themselves. And so he wants them to abound. So then here's what he says. I'm going to test you, Corinthians. Notice what he says. Look at verse 8 and 9. I speak not by commandment, but I'm testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. So here's what he's saying. It's a test. Paul is not commanding the Corinthians to give. Can I be honest with you? I'll just be flat out honest with you. Some of you may disagree with me. Some of you may be upset with me saying this. But I believe I have the New Testament to back up what I'm saying. There is no command in the New Testament for you to give. And remember, in the New Testament, we are no longer under what? We are under what? Grace. So there is no command in the New Testament to give. Oh my goodness, how are we going to run the church? Wait a minute, you're missing the point. Because it moves from an obligation to an issue of grace now. And so there's no command. He's not commanding them to give. He's not telling them, listen, I'm telling you as the apostle, give. Now how well does that go over? You guys have sat in churches where the pastor has told you, you need to give. Yes. How did you feel about that? Yeah. In fact, how many of you have been in a church? I've seen this happen. Offerings taken. The ushers leave the service to count it. They come back, give the pastor a note, and he says, enough has not come in. We need to pass the plate again. You're probably glad you haven't, right? Now, this is what he's saying to us. See, we're taking the Old Testament and putting ourselves in bondage again. Giving is supposed to be a grace. It's supposed to bring what to your heart? Joy. And so he's not commanding them to give, but he is saying this. This is the next point. Rather, Paul is wishing to test the sincerity of their love. Here's what he's saying. Giving is not an obligation, but giving is an expression of what? Love. So if you sincerely love Jesus, if you sincerely love your brother in Christ, if you sincerely love, then love. 
And an expression of that love is what? Giving. Give it. If you love your church, if you love what God is doing through the church, then you'll give. Do you understand? As an expression of love. If you love that, if Sue genuinely loved Louise as she saw Louise going through her problem, she's not going to feel an obligation to help Louise. She's going to give to Louise because of what? Sincerity of love. See, that's what he's saying. Doesn't that change your whole perspective on giving? Doesn't it? It should. Now, I don't, some of you maybe need to go home and let it sink in a little bit. So don't just forget what we talked about an hour later. Don't go and say, well, George says I don't have to give anymore. See, that's what the apostle is trying to say to him. He says, I'm wishing to test the sincerity of your love. Hey, you know what? I know that people are doing what they're doing in the church. Keep doing it because I see the benefit of it. I see the love being expressed and I see the love being appreciated by people in the church who as they go through it, they're saying, I can't believe God did that for me. Isn't that an awesome thought? So, how can the fact that giving is not a commandment be a freeing thing for believers? How can that be a freeing thing if it's not a commandment? Yes, you're doing it of your own will. And the motivation for doing it is completely different now. Yeah, you don't feel obligated. So then look at verse 9 now. Look at verse 9. Jesus gave up his riches so that we might become rich. So we're talking about the example of Jesus. He gave up his riches. Hey, you want to talk about somebody who had it? And he paid the ultimate sacrifice of giving it up, didn't he? Just to be like one of us. We talk about going to the streets of gold. We talk about, man, one day we're going to be there. He gave it up to come down here with us. Talk about giving. Talk about giving. That's the example. Okay, next week we will look at some more advice concerning the issue of giving. All right, let's pray.